Thanks so much. You guys can be seated. Awesome. Ooh, man. I, uh, man, I'm kind of speechless. I just feel the power of God. I, feel, I love that. I feel the inside shaking. You know, oftentimes we have words that get confused, that sometimes over usage, over time, we use one term when it really is more indicative of the other term. For instance, if you go to a doctor, you're feverish, you're dizzy, you're not feeling up to par, you've got the green mucinex man coming out of your throat and nose and every other available opening in your body, the doctor, he or she will look at you and they'll do a diagnosis, they'll, they'll run you through a battery of tests, so to speak, check you, cough, stethoscope, and then they come back to you and they say, well, what you have, and this is what they'll often say, what you have is normal. Now, how many of you know it's not normal? They, you got the Mucinex men coming up with the, you know, it, it's normal, excuse me, it's not normal in comparison to a healthy person. What they really should say is it's typical. It's typical with a person that has your condition that you should have all these other things going on. They've confused the terms. I believe that in North America, we think that there is this normal Christianity. I submit to you that the word has gotten confused. It's not normal Christianity. It's become typical Christianity because when you compare it to the book of Acts, that's not normal. What we have, I'm negative for a minute. I'll get positive. Give me a couple minutes. What we have is abnormal, subnormal, and we've confused a typical Christian life with a normal Christian life. The reason why God sends revival, the, the, the atmosphere of what has been filling the chapel, and more importantly, what's been filling your heart, is because God wants to give us a new normal. Normal isn't perfection. Normal is pursuit. That when you have this new normal, that there's this pursuit inside of your heart to go after God. That normal is living under the saturated influence of the Holy Ghost 24-7, 365 days a year. I feel, and I love to say this statement, if there was ever a time for the 21st century church to pick up where the first century church left off, it's now. We absolutely, and and. Here's the thing. There's this movie. Michael Jordan was in one movie, and they're actually going to do a reboot. Some reboots don't work. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, come on, somebody. Power Rangers, hello. They didn't need to give that a reboot. They just need to give it the boot, okay? But they're going to reboot Space Jam. Y'all remember that scene when the Monstars came down from whatever planet they were, and there was this intergalactic bet and gamble that kind of played off of what Michael Jordan in that season was kind of known for. And they put together a team. And I remember superstars, all-stars, many of them dream teamers were there. And so they had this kind of situation where when these NBA players, I think it was Patrick Ewing, Charles Barkley, Larry Johnson, Sean Bradley, Muggsy Bogues, when they touched the ball, they lost their power. Somehow, that basketball that glowed absorbed their powers. And then when the Monstars touched it, you guys know it based on your excitement over the reboot, those aliens received the power. And I remember that scene when these guys were in the gym. These guys are all-stars, dream team members. Granted, it was a movie. They couldn't dribble a ball. They're throwing it off each other's head. And I thought of when they lacked their prowess and their power, how awkward that moment was. 
it, there could be no closure to that movie to those guys. And that was the final scene. Michael Jordan came back. He brought the ball. All of these guys got their power back. And then one guy dunked Muggsy Bogues, broke somebody's ankles doing a crossover. And they, they do this whole thing. I can't help but feel that somehow that there's been this mindset that has de-supernaturalized modern Christianity. That somehow it's, it's a mindset that has absorbed this dunamis, dynamite, explosive power that we ought to walk in. I think of, man, what happened through Smith Wigglesworth. Scott's going to show me a letter. Smith Wigglesworth, man, this guy was a plumber by trade. This dude had documented 21 people he raised from the dead. Jesus raised from the dead through him, including his wife, Polly. Come on, somebody. And then she said, Smith, you got to let me go. That's, you got some serious power, right? And I remember this would be my, my, my turning point, and I'm going to share quickly one passage. I just want to give you a short exhortation, and I want to flow. I wanna, I'm going to ask Jordan to come up, and we just want to flow in power. I remember one of the earliest defining moments of my life. I'm in a meeting with a guy who was a mentor of mine. I brought another friend of mine that I got a chance to see coming in the Lord, see baptized in the Holy Ghost. It is in full-time ministry at one of Scott's churches that he planted, Harvest in Elk Grove. He's one of the associate staff there, a guy by the name of Randy Sakuda. And so Randy and I, we went to this meeting in Oakland, my hometown, Oakland, California, where the Henry J. Kaiser Auditorium, and this evangelist who is a mentor and a spiritual father of mine, I didn't know him at the time. I just heard him preach. I heard about how God used him. I wanted to see it. And I go into the meeting, and he preached the gospel. He was very relevant, very powerful, uh, very dynamic in his presentation. And then he kind of got to an end, and then he pointed right over here to a woman in a wheelchair. And he says, ma'am, the power of God is on you. I want you to stand up and get out of that wheelchair. She doesn't move. He says, ma'am, the power of God is on you. You're being healed right now. Stand up. She doesn't move. He does it a third time. You could feel the air sucked out of the room. I know that moment, that moment of human extension when there's this attempt to feebly, as in your humanity, step out and partner with God to do the supernatural. I think it's one of the reasons why sometimes when the intellectual mind enters in, it's that ball that absorbs the power of the Spirit out of you. And I looked over at her, and then he said to an usher, Sir, would you help me? The power of God is on this woman. He says, I want you to put your hands on her. She's being healed. The usher came behind the woman, and he touched her, and, and <laughs> this woman stands up on her feet. Her shawl, whatever is on her lap, falls to the ground. The woman is startled. She begins to take a couple steps, and then she begins to walk, and then she begins to run all across. There's a group of people, yes, there's a group of people around her that immediately begin to, to, to weep. Uh, everyone else stood up and began to applaud. Randy and I hit our faces. The power of God was there. It, it was overwhelming. We later found out the story. The story was the lady was from Asia. Her family had brought her. She didn't understand English. When he says, ma'am, the power of God is on you, he didn't under, she didn't understand what he was saying. He said it again. She still didn't get an interpretation, right? Said it a third time. Didn't say that. When the usher came and put his hands on her, it startled her. And she jumped, but normally she probably wouldn't move. But this time she moved. And her family that understood, you know, 
English, they didn't interpret for until the very end. And I just want to tell you, I was wrecked. I was wrecked. When I saw the power of God in that dimension, hear me, there was no way I could go back to that gym place where you're running around and you have lost all your prowess and power and you're doing these doofus moves when you were, you were called and anointed to be on God's dream team. Acts 13, thank you very much. Quickly, there is this room. They're having a missions meeting in Acts 13 in Antioch. As they're in Antioch, they're praying. As they're praying, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. And then he directed them as to where to go. I love it that in the first century, the Holy Spirit was the genius of everything that they did. I kind of feel like, and, and, and you, again, you, I hope you know me well enough that you'll give me some space to say this. And I believe you'll agree with me. I've been to too many services that are man-made. I've been to too many services that carry more of a reflection of what man can do and not enough of what God alone can do. My heart breaks probably more than anything because at the heart of, in my heart of hearts, the, the, the thing that God has given me is his heart to see a massive harvest come in. I, I'm an evangelist. I love to see people come to Christ. The Holy Spirit was so real to him that literally he's quoted as to what he said. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work in which I'd called him. I feel like, and I get it, okay, now I might be in a little bit of trouble here. I think it's funny that movies are getting longer and church services are getting shorter. They say you're too ADD. They say you won't sit long enough. They say your mind is flitting. You've got your smartphone out. You've got all these things pulling at you. You could Google stuff, fact check, be checking sports, be checking your Pinterest, wherever you're at, and all this. But isn't it funny? Nobody's doing that in Batman versus Superman. It was two hours and 45 minutes. And then when they came out with the home edition, they added another 30 minutes. That's three hours and 15 minutes. Three hours and 15. I saw people that didn't even wee-wee. Okay, can I say that? I didn't know if I could say the other word, so I think that's probably kind of cool. The problem, and, and this is not a reflection of chapel. You guys are on a unique schedule, unique deal. But in general, the mindset of a church service that says we're going to have a 23-minute church service. The problem with a 23-minute church service is that it creates a 23-minute Christian. It's the glowing ball that's absorbed our power. Here they are, and then it says that they go to a place called Paphos. Paphos means boiling hot. Quickly, in seconds. This is Paul's first missionary journey. This is not typical to send a person. My daughter in sixth grade, Brittany, she went to Rancho de Suninos. They painted faces like clouds. They had a chicle, 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 gum. They was down there doing puppets, the puppet ministry with the kids. That's typically Paphos literally has a statue of Venus, the goddess of sexuality that, that scholars and others, experts, say that it was so demonically charged that one look at the statue could leave you depraved of mind and deprived in character. People came from all around. To understand Paphos, it had the, if you will, sexual immorality. I'm just throwing out cities, and I'll throw out my own. 
He had the sexual immorality of San Francisco. It had anything could be gambled, bought, and sold like Las Vegas. And it had the spiritual experimentation of Sedona, Arizona. Imagine putting all that together and the Holy Spirit saying, this is going to be your first missionary journey. No chicle, no face painting. It's not typical, but it is normal. Apostle Paul, and he's not called Apostle Paul to the latter end of this chapter. He goes in Saul. He comes out Paul. The dude gets a spiritual S on his chest. Come, the old Superman had to go into a phone booth, okay? <laughs> New one could just jump up and he loses his clothes by the time he hits the air, right? The old guy, it's like somewhere in this chapter, Apostle Paul steps into the spiritual phone booth, gets the S on his chest, or the end of Space Jam, he touches something, and all of a sudden it comes back, or what he should have had, what he had inside him is activated, and it simply says this phrase, because Paul has a confrontation. It says, Saul, who is also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, and then this is, this is what I'm describing, and Luke was very clear to let you know, this would not happen if he's not filled with the Holy Spirit. It says that Saul who's also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, he's in this space in Paphos, boiling hot, Sedona, Arizona, Las Vegas, San Francisco, first missionary journey. He gets a meeting with the Roman-appointed governor, Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. Don't you just love that? His name sounds intelligent. But the problem is, is he's got a demonized, demon-possessed aid in his ear by the name of Elimus, also known as Bar-Jesus, okay? So that should give you a clue. Bar means son of as opposed to bar, keep out. Son of, he's calling himself the son of Jesus. How do you step into that space and walk out with a Roman-appointed governor being saved and the demon-possessed man literally walking off groping, blinded, and unable to exercise his power and his bewitching effect? How do you walk away from that, and how would you dare walk into that? on your first missionary trip. It's not typical, but it is normal. If I can get someone to come to the keys, or guitar, or harmonica, or a xylophone, or banjo. No, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, kidding. Apostle Paul is there, and it says, Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked at Elimus. He looked at this guy that was demonized. When I say demonized, demonized. We're not talking about a bad diet when you grew up. Come on, somebody. We're not talking about that you had a little thing happen to you. We're not talking about when your mama was pregnant with you, she ate Twinkies, and she got Twinkie foam syndrome, and you got Twinkie foam syndrome on the brain, and you're going to be on Mari Povich running around underneath the couch with the camera following you. No. What this guy had on him, Dr. Phil couldn't help him. Dr. Oz couldn't help him. Dr. Drew couldn't help him. Dr. Seuss, Dr. J, no other earthly doctor. It was going to take the great physician to minister the power of God to deliver him. And Paul, and it's the turning point. And here is what I say to you. Resistance is your promotion. A believer that runs from challenges and runs from resistances is like a bodybuilder that runs from weights. No definition. You can't run. And, and here's, the Bible lets us know that in the last days, 2 Timothy 3, it says in the last days, perilous times will come. The word there, perilous, kalepos, probably mispronunciation. It's used one other time in the Greek New Testament. It's used to describe the demon-possessed in, in one of the synoptic gospels account. The demon-possessed men 
of the Gadarenes. It says they were exceedingly fierce. It's the same word. For Paul to use this word, only used twice in the Greek New Testament, when he said in the last days perilous times will come, same word is translated, speaking of the demonized men of the Gadarenes, exceedingly fierce. It, 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 if you will, it's a clue that the last days are going to be demonized. And what I'm saying is what are you armed with? If all you're armed with is, is human logic, human opinion, you just have another earthbound philosophy is what you have. And there's a word out there that's crying out to see a demonstration of power. We can't have anything today without having a supernatural. You have supernatural cartoons, supernatural video games, supernatural movies. You go to a movie now, every other trailer coming out is about the supernatural. And then what do we do? We de-supernaturalize our expression of Christianity, thinking that we will relate and make it user-friendly. But Gallup, Poles, and Barner are telling us that you guys are pursuing supernatural experiences more than any other generation has hit America. And it's crazy to say that the hunger for the supernatural out there is rising while church membership is declining. Don't you think a growth in the hunger of the supernatural ought to equate to a growth in church membership? They do not associate us with the supernatural. And I'm not okay with that. We got to get out of that place. Something has absorbed our power. And we got to get back and touch our power spot again. It is the baptism of the Holy Ghost in power. Paul spoke and said to the guy, Limus, he essentially spoke a judgment on him. And the dude who was working his mystic arts to try to keep Sergius Paulus, the Roman appointed governor, from hearing the gospel, I believe he was kind of running interference, kind of, if you will, almost putting a smoke screen. This guy, after Paul turns him, in a sense, rebukes him, the guy is blinded, I, I would gather, for a time. And it says he, he wandered around looking for someone to lead him. And then I began to realize the genius of Scripture. This guy was walking around needing someone because in that moment he went blind, but that's exactly what he was doing to the Roman-appointed governor. He was judged with the very thing he trafficked in. Our, the Bible says if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. Veiled is calypsis. Again, my enunciation, pronunciation may be off. Revelation is apocalypsis. What it takes, the reason why they don't get it is they can't get it apart from a supernatural release of God's presence and the power of the gospel, the spirit thereof. To just use paper mache weapons to try to fight this spiritual battle. That verse in 2 Timothy chapter 3 began by saying in the last days, but it began to say, as Jonathan Jambres resisted Moses, so will these resist the truth. But it goes on to say that they will prog progress no further, Father will be made manifest to all. Stop. Final thing I'll say. This is clue. When you hear news, it's not news. Whoever's reporting it, it's not news. By the time they give it to you, it's history. You all understand that? Only Jesus can declare history in advance of it happening. It's called prophecy. This is prophecy. He says, as Genesis and Jambres resisted Moses, so will these, speaking of modern-day folks, in times, resist. How did Genesis and Jambres, Jambres are the Egyptian magicians in Pharaoh's court. How did they resist Moses? Did they boycott Moses? Did they sign petitions? Did they show up and do some sort of rally against Moses? No. When Moses threw or had Aaron throw down the rod, it became a serpent. They had a snake-to-stick trick. Many believe they just had a way of hypnotizing the snakes, and it was uh, kind of... Uh, and in a hibernated state, and they can kind of reanimate it. Well, anyway, how did they resist them? They resisted them supernaturally. 
That word there, resist, is the same word that describes what Elimus did to Apostle Paul. You're going to be supernaturally resisted. And so if you're going to be supernaturally resisted, you need to touch the touchstone of power because you need that. How many of you know OJ was guilty? How many of y'all know that? I know that was random. How many? Come on. This, come on. I'm a black man saying that. Okay, come on. Y'all help me now, all right? He was guilty. The only reason why he got off is because of Johnny Cochran. The dude was a genius lawyer. That final thing, and 30 for 30 has done it. There was another thing on one of the Lifetime Networks or one of them kind of channels. The gloves. You remember the phrase? Some of y'all, y'all were super young. Well, not even born, actually. But it says, if the gloves don't fit, you must acquit. And here's the Sean Smith, and I close with this line. If you are not equipped, you will be whipped. You will be. Apostle Paul doesn't come out. You know the rest of the story, or maybe you don't. Apostle Paul leads the governor of Paphos, the governor of San Francisco, Sedona, Arizona, and Las Vegas. He leads them on one visit to the Lord because the phrase Saul, also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. Gentlemen, gentlemen, and ladies and gentlemen, I should say it like that, we would not be talking about this episode if Paul didn't have supernatural power. He, if he couldn't go to dunamis while the devil went to divination, this would not be an exploit. You need the supernatural power of God. I need it. The church needs it. We've got to rediscover it. The greatest need of the spirit-filled movement is to get spirit-filled again. That's our need. Bow your heads. Jesus, Lord, we just thank you. I thank you all across this place. The spirit of God is here. I feel it. I shake it on the inside, and I love that feeling, God, because I know, God, the power of God is here to manifest. Lord, we just welcome your presence. Come on, wherever you at, just begin to welcome Holy Spirit. Begin to welcome him. If you could stick around, I, try, I definitely ended before the time. Uh, we're going to do some ministry. If you have to go, please at least give us five minutes and then leave. Five minutes would make it like 11.52, 11.53. So we're very, it's 11.40. You probably shouldn't tell you the time. Never mind. But it's not late yet. But I just want you to open your mouth, lift your hands up, and say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. I acknowledge you. Lord, we acknowledge your person. We reverence your position. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. You're welcome here. You're welcome here. Lord, we just declare, God, that you didn't leave us without a resource for a supernaturally bad era, a era where everyone is going to tap into power. Old school atheists that used to debate me on college campuses in the 80s have gone the way of the dodo bird. Now it's more of a political voting block and an anti-Christian movement because too many Americans are not saying what the old school atheists used to say. They used to say there is nothing that exists outside of empirical evidence and the five physical senses, and yet we have a generation that's going after power literally hand over foot where they say 60% of millennials have pursued some supernatural experience that doesn't even count horoscope. And so, Lord, I feel like those guys were a temporary bus stop to an inevitable spiritual conclusion that ultimately the, the, the skill to live modern life has leaped off the natural page. That literally our problems have outpaced science and technology and what we need is a supernatural encounter to be supernaturally equipped. And when that happens, it's the enemy that will get whipped. Holy Spirit, just come. We bless you. Just a, a quick chorus, if you would, Dan. Just a quick chorus. And I, I feel like I'm going to ask... Uh, Jordan to come up here. We want to, there's a couple healings 
And then just a couple quick things, and then we're going to call the leaders up, and we want to pray for you for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, a baptism of fire, a fresh encounter, and for the power of God to mark you, rock you. An encounter, one encounter changes everything. Come on, my friend. Hallelujah. Jesus, we give you all the glory, all the glory, all the glory. I was just came from Huntsville, Alabama, in a friend of mine's church, uh, Rock Family Worship Center, and I filmed this. I put this on our, our Facebook page. In that service, the previous time I was there, I pointed, and I said, there's a row. I actually walked over the row. It was the third row. I said, there's a woman in this row. I said, you've had over a dozen miscarriages and you feel like man you don't and and you would understand if you'd ever been in that situation of a a woman that's got her hope up a dozen times you imagine the level of trauma I said there's a woman right here in this row third row you've had over a dozen miscarriages but the Lord is going to heal your womb woman stands up crying I walk over to her and this comes out of my mouth I literally did not give thought to it I you know the demonic realm, they have what's called automatic writing. I think that sometimes we can be unconsciously prophetic because the spirit of the Lord just leaps out of you. I said, you will have a baby in one year. This is God. This woman, Candida, comes up to me with her little boy. I believe his name was Caleb. And she said, 10 months after you said that, she says, I delivered this baby boy, and she let me hold this kid. And man, I'm telling you what. Why do I say that? Please hear me. That is not about, Sean, you're some whatever, 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 because I, I train and equip people. I believe absolutely God is wanting to use us rank-and-file believers in the prophetic. I say that because stepping out and obeying God on something that seems simple can be life-changing. Bob, you're, Bob, sit, sit down. <laughs> Jordan and I are going to go kind of quickly. I feel like right here in the center section, there's two things. One, there's a gal that you've been having, I would call it vertigo, but maybe the diagnosis hasn't fully come in, and you would just say, I've been having 
dizzy spells, like all of a sudden, I feel lightheaded. I feel like, whoa, something might happen. I feel like I'm spinning around, and it's like almost in that moment, you almost have to sit down. Well, this has been happening a little bit more frequent. There's a young lady right in the middle that has that. Also, in this section right here, there's a gal. Amen, amen. There's a gal also. I saw a picture of a spine, and for me, I, I kind of am a very visual. I saw, I, I felt the Holy Spirit gave me a picture of an old Domes commercial. I don't even know if they sell Domes. I'm sure they do. It's back pain stuff. And they used to have this, in Domes commercial, they have this x-ray thing that they show you, and they show you a red dot on the back. I, I'm seeing it, but I'm seeing, sweetheart, that there's some sort of curvature on your spine. I don't know if you slipped a disc or you have a mild form of scoliosis, but I see that it's painful. And you're feeling the pain almost in the lower part of your back and your spine. There's a female right here in this section. I, I know that. Amen. Can I get someone that will place your hand right on her back and someone right over there upon her head because of the dizzy spells that she's been going through? Father, in the name of Jesus, you are a healer. Come on, you begin to pray. You begin to pray right now. I, I just feel like, I, yeah, I could pray. You begin to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, uh, that slip disc curvature of the spine, we... Uh, at whatever level, it's mild, but we curse scoliosis. We command alignment to come to her back. This disc would shift back into place. The pain that she's had to undergo. Lord, you're about to do something that was going to dra dramatically change the quality of her life. And Lord, I just believe that God, that she, there's even some physical things that are affected because of this, and God is going to release you to do that again. And Father, we pray over our sister. We pray equilibrium comes to her head. No more dizzy spells. Dizziness goes. It leaves in the name of Jesus. And even, I, I, I feel like I see an attack around your head. I feel like part of it's dizziness, but I believe there's a spiritual attack. The enemy has like been shooting all these flaming arrows. And I just feel like right now, uh, the Lord, I love this passage. I quote it many times. It says, the Lord makes wars to cease. And I just feel like God's about to bring a ceasefire and a new level of peace, sweetheart, is coming to you right now. You guys keep praying. I'm handing off. We, we're going to popcorn right now. Come on, George. So I feel like there is a, there's a male here. You're a, a young man, and I feel like you've been having these, uh, this right shoulder pain. And I feel like uh, the, the right shoulder, I feel like it's actually a rotator cuff issue. But I also feel like there's also another young man you've been dealing with a left shoulder pain. But it was caused by a, a dis like you dislocated and it didn't heal properly. So if that's you, if you would just stand up, two young men, right shoulder, rotator cuff, left shoulder, dislocated, didn't heal right, right here. If we can get some guys to stand with these and pray, if you would let them know what shoulder it is and if it's okay. So Father God, I thank you that you're touching these ones, Lord. I thank you that when you call something forth, it's already done, Lord. And now we receive of the benefits that you paid for on the cross. So right now upon my two brothers, Lord, I just declare upon the left shoulder and upon the right shoulder, I just declare complete mobility. I, declare, I just declare, Lord, where there's been pain, where there's been uh, even like immobility, where there's even been uh, just this discomfort, even while they sleep, I just see kind of tossing and turning from the shoulder. Lord, I just break that now and I just release the kingdom of heaven upon these shoulders now. And I speak to these shoulders and in the name of Jesus, I declare be made whole in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I also feel like there's, kind of with the dizzy spells thing, I feel like there's a, a couple young ladies here. You've been dealing with migraine headaches, and it's, it's not just a, a normal headache, but I, I feel like it's actually been on the right side. It kind of comes on the right side. It's even kind of affected your vision at times, and it's just been these excruciating migraines where they've even lasted days on end. Uh, if that's you, if you would just stand up. I feel like there may be a few of you. Yes, right here, right here. 
over here. If we can get some young ladies to stand with these. And if that's you, you can continue to stand. So, Father God, right now I curse these migraine headaches. We say that these are not, uh, these are not to be upon these young ladies. These are not the gift that God has given them. So we bind these things. We break them now. And I just declare the attack of the enemy stops. And I feel like for even a couple of you, it's another word I had, but for a couple of you, it's even affected your sleep. I feel like uh, specifically my, my young lady over here on the left-hand side, my left-hand side, I feel like the enemy's really been trying to attack your sleep at night as well. And I feel like around 3 a.m., you've kind of tossed and turned and felt this kind of like sense of uh, kind of just this evil sense in your room. And that stops today. I feel like God's saying you actually, he's called you to be a dreamer. And one of the ways God speaks to you is through dreams at night. And the enemies try to cut that line of communication off. But that breaks today. And I just declare peace to your sleep. And these migraines break in the name of Jesus. So right now, all across this room, I declare the migraines be broken now. And I just declare peace to the mind in Jesus' name. All right, real quickly, because in a moment, I'm going to give it right back to him one last time. Then we're going to call leaders to come forward. But I just felt like we're supposed to do this. I was just in prayer this morning, and the Lord gave me the name Jared. I've not been around. I would not do that. Scott would know me and some others. I know sometimes if you're new to this, you go, oh, man, are you on Facebook Googling folks? I don't have time for that. And I would not do that. I'm not going to insult the spirit of the Lord. But I've been in meetings where the Lord's given me names. He's given me uh, important dates for people. Who's the guy named Jared? I just feel like uh, there's a person here. The Lord, where? Right here. Awesome, Jared. I felt like the Lord says it's significant that he would call you by name. I feel like you're about to enter to a new season. I just see like you've come out of kind of a transition period where literally God in a glorious way has closed the door to something in your past. But at the same time, simultaneously, he's opened up a door and reminded that scripture that says, uh, he closes doors no man can open, opens doors no one can close. I feel like I'm supposed to tell you that this is not only just a new season, I don't know what year you are in school, but I feel like in the spirit, it's as if God's turning a new page in the heavenlies over you. But at the same time, only God can do this. It's new, but I feel like the Lord is bringing back a dream, bringing back a vision, bringing back something when you were young. I, I don't know, it looked like maybe you're... Uh, elementary school, maybe just starting middle school, there was a dream of something, and I feel like the Lord is going to begin to open up that dream again. I, I submit this to you. We test prophecy. I understand this. I teach on this. But uh, the Lord is going to mark you in a series of times when you're alone with him. I'd use the word encounter. You're about to have a series of encounter, and it's like in the spirit I could hear. And I'm not trying to be weird. Please, I eschew weird. But I love obedience. So if obedience makes you weird, I'm weird. But just being weird to try to appear spiritual, I don't have time for that. I could hear T minus 6, T minus 5, T minus 4, T minus 3. I know exactly what that's like. There is a launch that's beginning to take place. And God is firing up, firing up those rockets. There is a burning Jeremiah thing that God has put inside of you. I don't know your major. I'm not trying to put anything on you. At whatever level. I see you speaking the word of God and fire coming out and impacting people's lives, Jared. You got something special on you. Lift your hands up real quick. Father, we bless him. We pray for the fire of God to fall on him. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Real quick, and I'm going to hand it right back. I, I saw the numbers 5, 6, and then I saw 9, 3 come together. I'm, I'm not, honestly, I'm a, I'm a computer engineer. So I was very le Larry left brain. I know it looks like loser, but what I'm trying to say, I was very left brain logical, right, as opposed to 
right brain, intuitive, instrumental, more naturally geared to spiritual things. So I re- it's really after spending time with God that things begin to open. Intimacy is the key. So I saw five six, and I saw nine three. Uh, no, excuse me, five three and nine six come together. Five three. There's a guy by the name of Rod Martin played for the Oakland Raiders, <laughs> and nine six. So. I was just in a meeting. I came from the Lord, gave me a person's social security number, last four digits because he's not into identity theft, okay? So I'm not sure if that's a, a date, like May the 6th, 1993, 1996, May the 3rd. <laughs> my, my mind is, okay. I'm not sure if it's May the 3rd, 1996, or if it's social security number or a backup someone's phone number. So I, I have to give a part. The Bible says we know in part, prophesy in part. Who does that apply to? Because I feel like there's a word, just like it was for Jared, applied to that. Again, because I've, I've said it so many times, messed up. 5396. Where is that at? And who, who's 5353? Who, Whose birthday's May the 3rd? Where are you at? Stand up. What year were you born? Oh, one year off. That's all right. We're going to pray for you. But I still feel like there's a, a 5396 that's significant. Come up to me afterwards because I, I know I could keep going. Lift your hands up. Your name? I'm sorry? Paris. Paris? Uh, there is something in this season, Paris, where you're like a Hannah. Hannah birthed Samuel. She birthed the prophet. She uh, had a rival. Her husband, Elkanah, had another wife, Penina. And that dude was, <laughs> she, Penina, was a baby-making machine. But Hannah was barren up until a certain point of pressing into God. And then she became a womb, and God opened her womb. And I just feel like you're a Hannah, and God is about to birth something in you and through you in this season that I believe is going to really be impactful. No one can tell you any of the sons of Penina, but no one who has even a casual familiarity with Scripture would not know who the first in the lineage of the prophets was, the prophet Samuel. And so the Lord says this is your season of birth. That which is withstood or restrained birth is being removed. And I feel like there is a dream There are purposes, but more importantly, there are giftings that are about to be birthed that you will realize, and it will literally be a marking period. You, and it's a given, you have made the right choice to be in this university because this university is an incubator. So what it is that God has made you pregnant with, not talking in the natural, metaphorical, that literally you're in a place that's going to be able to nurse those dreams and birth that baby of what it is that God is going to release. I do see children around you. And I don't know how that works out and everything, but I believe that in the midst of this, God has given you a heart for young ones. And I feel like what it is that God's birthing in you will impact at some point in time young ones, even if it's on a short-term missions or whatever. But there is going to be an impact of children. Lord, we bless her. We thank you for her in Jesus' name. Does that mean something to you? Yes. Now, I'm going to give it to him, but then we're going to open this up. You just need to know this. Number one. I do not experiment. I do not, I'm not throwing out just nice thoughts or anything. What I'm sharing is probably 20% of what I'm getting. And I'm only going with the most potent stuff that I'm seeing. And sometimes that's wise because, you know what, you just want to go with the God. But people say, well, man, you know, it's mixture, whatever. You know, people say that word, it was about maybe 75% God, 25% you. And I'm like, and so I don't know if I'm going to bring it. Well, in other words, deliver the word. Well, two problems with that. Number one, you have to give expression to the impression to gauge the impression. You give expression to the impression, the impression grows, greater clarity comes. 
The other thing is, 75% of Jesus' thoughts for you is still better than you not stepping out and it being zero. Okay? One last one, and then we're going to, in fact, right now, if we can get the leaders who are going to pray for people for the baptism to come forward, and you guys have done so great. We're a little bit in the overtime, but trust me, it will be well worth it. Awesome. So just quickly, I heard two things. I heard Lindsay and I heard needs a family miracle. So I feel like it's one of two things. Either your, your name's Lindsay and you've been praying for a miracle in your family or there's someone in your family named Lindsay that needs a miracle. So if that's you, if you would just stand up. If that, either one of those, I feel like it's one of two, if that fits over here. Now, is your name Lindsay or is there a Lindsay in your family? You're Lindsay and you've been praying for some family miracle? Awesome. So, Father God, I thank you for Lindsay, Lord. And, and, Lindsay, what I heard is I just heard God say, I have heard your prayers. They have not gone unheard. And God is moving on your family's behalf. And I just feel like it's the enemy. He's tried to put a veil to make it look like there hasn't been any movement amongst your family in this area of needing the miracle. But God's saying he's breaking the veil, and he's actually going to reveal to you through some dreams that which he's going to do through your family. And the miracle is coming. And I feel like he said, don't lose hope because of what you have not seen but grip on to hope for what you're about to see. So, Father God, I thank you for Lindsay. I thank you for the miracle that's coming to her family. And, Lord, you know what that is. So we just release it now in Jesus' name. There's so many things still coming, man, but I just got to go with it. But someone over here, God is touching your respiratory system. I see you with an inhaler. Uh, there's some asthmatic, bronchial stuff going on. And I just feel like uh, strongly sense, I'm not going to say feel, strongly sense that there's a healing of someone right here in this area, there's been an asthma, and it's this thing when you get going, run, some of it is even a level of anxiety and panic, but the Lord is healing someone right in this area. Okay, here we go. Baptism of the Holy Ghost, amen. Just place your hand right over your chest. Father, in the name of Jesus, it opens up, it opens up, opens up bronchial tubes, open up, no longer constricted, and we just say in the name of Jesus, no longer a dependence or need for that, and Lord, she doesn't have to force anything. Uh, I, God's miracles are all are verifiable. Doctors are verified. We don't have to do anything that we don't have faith for. So I'm not telling you to do it. I'm just declaring to you, Psalms 107, verse 20, he sent forth his word to heal. So we say asthma, bronchitis, respiratory issues, leave, healing comes, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And sweetheart, next door, you can continue to pray for her. Just continue. Okay, here we go. If you've not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, for the sake of time, I don't feel like I got to do this super explanation. I think you probably know. But we do know that Peter denied Jesus three times in front of a campfire girl. I mean, she wasn't selling cookies, but it was by a campfire. She was a girl. And yet, on the day of Pentecost, after he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the same Peter stood up in a hostile environment where his master, Jesus, had been crucified. And he had the boldness to speak. And then within two weeks' time, about 8,000 men, they were very patriarchal, only counted the men. Some scholars estimate as many as 20,000, counting women and children, got saved in a three-week span because an apostle. What happened to Peter is what must happen to you. What happened to Saul that made him Paul must happen to you. What happened at the end of Space Jam where you put a touchstone, and the touchstone is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And we walk in a release of power because I believe that power is latent within us, but I believe it's activated through this anointing of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You said yes to Jesus. Hey, 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 you, you, you know, you received the Holy Spirit, but there was an anointing of power, so we're, this is our touchstone, and so right now, if you're saying, Sean, I've not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've not had released in me a heavenly language. People say, do I have to speak in tongues? And I say, no, you don't have to. You get to 
But if Apostle Paul, who was flipping cities and raising the dead, and Peter Shadow, who was healing folks, spoke in a language that came from God, I think I want to walk in that, okay? I don't want any diminished, knockoff, discount version of it. I want the real deal holy field. And for that matter, I'm hungry enough. I'm hungry for the more. I want all the gifts of the Spirit. I want the words of knowledge, gift of prophecy, discerning the Spirit, gift of faith, working of miracles, uh, healing, tongue, and interpretation of tongues. And I forgot because I know there's nine. There's someone else in there I left out. But if you need a baptism of the Holy Spirit, you've not had received, or maybe you prayed and you just didn't have a fluency in your language, and you want to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Stand up right now, wherever you're at. Stand up. If you're saying, hey, I need to be filled. Come on, balcony. I know we got it. Come on. Come on. Yes. If you will, make your way down and come stand in front. We might need some other student leaders. If the chapel coordinator would bless you, knows your life, and you're a leader, we might use some other students, too, that could come forward and pray for people. If, uh, if your life is known, I think it's important if you're going to be praying for people. Second group, you say, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I want a fresh baptism of power. I want God to literally give me that boldness. I want that fresh fire. I think it was Matthew Henry that said the, the uh, baptism of fire. He called it, I quote, an invigorating anointing that makes one zealously affected in a good work. I want the invigorating anointing that makes me zealously affected. In other words, power and passion come in a baptism of fire. So group two. If you're saying, I've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I want a fresh baptism of fire, you stand up as well and give us about 60 seconds to start, then you come down. Let me now take this minute. Look at everyone that's praying for the baptism. Whoa, come on, I love that. Power of God's already fallen. Look at me. We're going to ask. Heaven did not withhold from you Jesus. Heaven is not going to withhold from you the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You got the best gift, salvation. But now there's a gift to go public with the previous ultimate gift you got. So we're going to pray. We're going to ask. Right after that, I think it's important to begin to worship the Lord. Not in some rehearsed, mentally practiced. I want spontaneous because that's how the language will flow. It'll spontaneously arise. So everybody pray this with me right now. Everybody say it. Say, Lord Jesus, I declare you are my baptizer. I ask you, Jesus, to baptize me with the Holy Ghost, and with fire. So his hands are laid on me, and the Spirit of God comes upon me. I will walk in power. I will be your witness, and I will praise you in other tongues. In Jesus' name. Come on, just begin to worship the Lord. If you're here for the baptism, step up a little closer. Now, baptism of fire group, you guys begin to make your way to the altar, and we're just going to worship. We're going to go. If you got to go, God bless you. You feel free to leave, but we are going to pray some folks through. And, Father, we pray, fire fall, oh God. Baptism, fresh wind, fresh fire. Like a rushing mighty wind, I say, be filled with the Holy Ghost. Be baptized. Come on, keep placing. And once you've received prayer and you've had a breakthrough, feel free to kneel at the altar, and that way we'll know who is receiving or who is yet to be prayed for. Father, we just pray. Fire. Now again, you, you're not making tongues your focus. You're making Jesus your focus. So look to Jesus and say, Lord, Jesus, the Bible says, is the baptizer. John the Baptist said it.
We receive every gift from God by faith. So I want you right now to look to Jesus, but it's not involuntary. This is not like back in the day they had this little candy called Pop Rocks, and we'd get it and it'd make your tongue because it was exploding in your mouth. Holy Spirit's not going to throw you on the ground and throw Pop Rocks in your mouth. The Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. It's going to feel different at first because you're going to feel like, am I making this up? Am I copying it? No, you're not. No one comes to the altar and prays a sinner's prayer and wonder if I got a counterfeit Jesus. You know Jesus is not going to allow a counterfeit spirit when you're asking Jesus to be Lord. Neither were you at this altar, in this atmosphere, asking God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit have to have any kind of fear or reservation. You will get the real deal. So right now, we're going to pray again, and I want you just to begin to release, release it. A baby doesn't come out the womb going, hi, mom, hi, dad. Do you have my college fund for North Central? They come out speaking baby language. So it may sound like you're making sounds. It may not sound like it's fluent. But I assure you, it's like tissue in that box. If you don't pull the first tissue, you're not going to get to tissue five. You break. The enemy's attack is on that first syllable. The moment you break the sound barrier, there is a flow that begins to happen. So we're going to pray again because I feel like there are people that are being sovereignly baptized in the Holy Ghost with a little bit of instruction. We're going to pray again, and I want you in that moment to begin to release literally the syllables of the Spirit. Jack Hafer would call it the lang heaven's language of love. I feel like it's about to happen. Here we go. Father, in the name of Jesus, we break fear, we break doubt, unbelief over any of us. We declare we don't have to wait, in a sense, for this gift. They tarried in the book of Acts. Holy Spirit is here. We don't have to wait. This is our moment now. And so, Lord, we declare, we lay down reservations. We trust you. We receive the baptism of fire. So I say, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be released in the gifts of the Spirit. And I say, Holy Spirit, fall on them. Now, come on, now begin to lift your voice. Come on, begin to pray in that language. There you go, somebody's getting filled. There it is right there, right there. I've seen a, a college service at a secular university where when we prayed like that, 100 students received the baptism of the Holy Ghost sovereignly. I mean, it's all sovereign. And begin to pray. You too are in that environment. Come on. We pray for a baptism of fire to fall on those that responded to the second altar call. Baptism of fire. Vintage fire. Lord, we're not called to be typical. 
We're called to a revived Christianity. Lord, this is the emerging breed of new revivalists. Baptize us with fire. Fire of God come and fill us. Fire of the Lord. Fire of God. Fire of God. I want to encourage you. Don't be a spectator. Press in and believe. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened. There's a door of vintage Pentecostal power. I'm declaring to you, knock on that door with everything in you and say, God, release in me. Father, I pray for a fresh spirit of revel revelation and a release of revelatory gifts on your children. I pray mantles of prophetic evangelism. They're not mine to give. It's yours to pick up. I pray, Father, Lord, for the gift of faith. That was it. That was the gift. The gift of faith. That supernatural faith seizes our heart. It suspends doubt. Lord, we declare it's the power of God that has always been the dinner bell of Christianity. Let us flow in your power. Lord, the goal is that we be a more accurate reflection and representation of you. The goal is, is that the lost will be one to Christ. It's not power for power's sake. It's a means to God's holy end. Ask him for more. Ask him. The Bible says, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek that you may abound for the edification of the body. If you have whatever level of God that you see operating in your life, your desire should be for more. Seek that you may abound. Hallelujah. We're still praying.
You guys, this is Sierra. You probably know that. Sierra felt like the Lord gave her something, and she just whispered it to me, and I, I felt like, yeah, amen. Go ahead, girl. Yeah, I really feel like um, there's a kind of a spirit of inferiority in here, and I feel like some of you, um, and me included, have just walked through these seasons of your life where you don't feel like you're worth it. You don't feel like you're worth receiving this from God, and I just want God, you to know, like I think of the verse, in the Bible where it says like God doesn't show any favoritism and I just want you to know that there's no favoritism in this room and that you are worth it and that your life has been paid for and like God just wants you to know that if you're up here and you don't feel like you're worth receiving this you so are and that he's paid for you and so just come up here and accept the healing and accept the baptism in the Holy Spirit that God has already paid for you for I just want to confirm what Sarah said. If we could bring the music real low for one second. I want you to hear me. She, she's, she's absolutely on. I believe as I prayed for people, what the Lord showed me is that as we're praying for you, some of you, that inferiority, that lack of worth is because you're up here and you're thinking about your sin, not the Savior. You're thinking about even sin that was committed yesterday. And that sin is ever before you right now. So that's the block. You don't feel like, why would God fill me? I, I'm not even pure. I'm not clean. I'm not right with God. There has to be a space between, you know, living for the Lord and receiving this gift. And that's absolutely not true. But what it does indicate is the Holy Spirit is talking to you about repentance and asking the Lord to cleanse your heart. And then fill your heart with his power because as long as you have the condemnation and you're thinking as people are praying for you, you're thinking about your sinfulness and the sins you've committed, like I'm dirty, I'm not, I'm unworthy. Jesus is here to cleanse us of all unrighteousness and to fill us with his power. And so the fact that you feel the incongruence between the filling of the spirit and the cleansing of the heart is a good thing. Not condemnation, but the conviction to say, Lord, I realize that if I'm going to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, I got to make some decisions. That decision can be made right here. I was prayed for, I bet I was prayed for a hundred times and I never spoke in tongues. People are just speaking in tongues. over. I was prayed for a hundred times in my life to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and nothing happened. I just kind of stood there. Sometimes I had my hand. Sometimes I was crying. It never translated into this uh, innermost river of life just came out and poured over my, my mouth, and I began to speak in tongues until I was 18. And a little grandma in the church, this little church, she came and got me in the back of the church. She said, I want to pray for you. And I said, here we go again. And I can't explain it. But when that lady, after being prayed for a hundred times, put her hand on my face. I, I felt something from heaven go through me, and every mental argument went out the door. I wasn't thinking about my sin or my lust or the lie I just told or this or that. The love of God, the blood of Jesus cleansed my heart of my sin, and he filled me with power simultaneously. And it changed my life, the course of everything uh, before me. So we're going to worship just a little bit longer. And I believe that there's still several 
still several to just to receive the Holy Spirit and to be able to have that prayer language, that sign, that signal from heaven that something significant has been initiated. When you were water baptized, you came out of the tank, you were wet in that moment. It gave you the idea that this moment of baptism, identifying as a disciple, follower of Jesus with his death and now his resurrection. And uh, he gives signs for every baptism, folks. And this is that sign. But I'm going to pray for you that God would begin to give you. But if you're here and you're thinking about your sin, simply ask Jesus, confess it, cleanse me, Lord, of my sin. Wash my heart. Make me new. The lies I've been telling, the lusts I've been living out, God, just cleanse my heart, God. And now fill me, Lord, with your spirit and with fresh fire in my life. And I believe once that block is removed, I think we're going to see another infusion of what the Lord wants to do in these next few minutes uh, in this building. So, Dan, just continue to lead us out in worship. And, and I just want to pray uh, just a kind of a cleansing prayer. Jesus, forgive me of my sin, Lord. Lord, as I'm here seeking the fullness of the Spirit, all the, el the devil's telling me is that you've been lying and you've been lusting and you've been doing this and you've been doing that. And you've been dishonest. And, and so, Lord, I just pray that every sin, Lord, that we can commit, have committed, God, we pray for the cleansing blood of Jesus. Lord, you, we confess our sin, God. You are faithful and just to forgive us of those sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, God. So, Lord, right now, let that cleansing happen. Let that cleansing happen, Lord. Let that heart be made new. Let it be made clean, Lord. And now, Father, we're just going to seek you another few moments in this chapel space, God, for fresh fire, God, to fall upon a clean heart, God, that's been washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. If you have struggled because you're thinking of sin in this moment, I want you especially to lift up your hands right now and say, Lord, I just receive a brand new infilling of the power of God. It is not my sin. It is the Savior that is dominating uh, my mind and my heart. It's you, Jesus. It's your blood. It's your forgiveness. And Lord, I am worthy because I'm in your image, God, and you've declared me clean. So Lord, fill me now, Lord, with the power of your spirit, fresh fire. Hallelujah. Just ask him for it right now. Dan, just continue to fill our room with worship. And right now, just receive, just receive, just receive. going to sing this a little bit more, but our brother has just a, a fast testimony and confirmation as we go to this moment of prayer. So what I want him to tell you something is, is God 
God loves every bit of our heart. Everything he is doing right now is going on right now. He would be loved with and be cared for. He would be more happy about, more joyful about. Everything he's seeing you doing up to this point, he'll be not more happy with and more joyous about. This body is under his love and is under his care. It is joy. It's peace. Very pleasing is what is going on here. And it's just amazing that God can continue to confirm those things that we know and yet still 